Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16, called Press On. Every time we feel like we have nothing more to give, fresh power from the Holy Spirit comes in. Amen? And we keep running. We got to keep on running with our eyes on the goal. This is the key. Now, flip over to Hebrews chapter 12. The writer of Hebrews also picking up a sports uh, illustration, and he uh, goes into the world of running again. And right after he deals with this great hall of faith, as we often call it, all these people who went before us like Abraham and Moses and David and ran the race and had their ups and downs and finished the race with endurance. We need to do the same. We need to keep them in mind. In Hebrews 12, the writer says, therefore, after mentioning several heroes of the Old Testament, he says, since we have, Hebrews 12, 1, so great a cloud of witnesses who have already run is the idea surrounding us, almost like they're in the stadium. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. What's the key? Fixing our eyes on Jesus who is the author. He started it all. He who began a good work in you Philippians 1 6 will complete it until the day of Christ. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know what that word perfecter is? The same Greek root teleao. The one who started it is the one who is going to finish it. The author is the perfecter. Amen? What's the key then? To keep your eyes on Jesus. And the Greek here is interesting because it means to look away from other things that distract and refix your gaze on Jesus. Now let me just make a practical point right here. If, and look in the race, there's all kinds of distractions, obstacles, sin, all these things that face us and weigh us down. And sometimes we get distracted and sometimes we start looking around and it's like, I don't know if I can finish. I don't know where I should be looking. We're in a, such a, a torn up world. What do we do now? And the idea of the writer here is to say, you fix your gaze on Jesus. Now, if you turn back to Philippians chapter 3, I want to share a story uh, that comes from a commentary. And this is from R. Kent Hughes on Philippians. And he writes these words. The year was 1923 and the competing track teams of Scotland and France were neck and neck. But among the events remaining was the 440. As the runners clad in traditional 1920s white came to the first turn, they were bunched tight, shoulder to shoulder, when one of them was pushed to the ground and off the track. For a second, he was down, then up again, running, though 20 meters now behind the pack, his knees high, his head back, flying. And as the leader sprinted towards the finish line, he emerged ahead to win. It was a famous win, immortalized in the movie Chariots of Fire. The runner, Eric Little, known as the Flying Scotsman. He was already famous when he made his phenomenal comeback to win the 440 in the Scotland-France meet. 
As his fame increased as a runner and as a Christian, especially at the Paris Olympics in 1924, where he refused to run in his best events, the 100 meters and the 4 by 100 relay, because they were run on a Sunday. Chariots of Fire, the movie, inaccurately portrays this as a last-minute decision in Paris, whereas actually Little decided well in advance and began to train for the 200 and the 400, which were not his best events because he knew he wasn't going to run on the Sunday. Little took a bronze in the 200 and amazed the world by winning the 400 in a world record time of 47.6 seconds. Five meters ahead of the silver medalist, he was truly flying, and we know that he was actually pushed at one point in the race. Runner he was, but that, wasn't, that was only one manifestation of Eric Little's devotion to Christ. In 1925, having completed his degree in science at Edinburgh and a degree in divinity, he set sail as a missionary to China with the China Inland Mission. In 1932, during his first furlough, he married a woman named Florence McKenzie. In 1941, facing the growing threat of Japanese occupation, he sent his wife and three daughters to Canada to stay with her family while he stayed on to serve among the poor. Little suffered many hardships, but he kept running after Christ hard. And then in 1943, he was interned in the Wycian internment camp, where he again cheerfully served those around him. In 1945, at the age of 43, Eric Little died of a brain tumor that may have been caused by his malnourishment and overwork in that camp. Little's grave was marked by a simple wooden cross with his name written in boot polish. He's interned in the Mausoleum of Martyrs in China. And then this is what Hughes says, I don't know what the inscription says on the grave marker, but if I were to imagine one, it would be this. He died running. He died running. I don't know where you're at today with your walk or your run. I don't know what challenges have faced you in the last couple of weeks or couple of months or couple of years. But Paul is writing Philippians 3 from jail. He's not on some ivory tower or stretching his muscles on the racetrack or got front row seats to the games. He's in jail, brethren. And he says to the church at Philippi, you keep running. You press on, no matter what you're facing. And if you read a little history about Paul, people say he had issues with his eyes, he had problems with his legs, he had... um, Challenges from a thorn in his flesh. We're not even sure what that was. Constantly beat up facing robbers and rivers and, uh, you know, brethren that gave him a hard time. And even churches that questioned his appearance. They said, oh, he writes strong in his letters, but when he shows up in town, he's not very impressive. He's not a good speaker. This is what the Apostle Paul faced. And what does he say to the Philippian church? Don't you lose heart. Don't you quit running. You keep on pursuing the things that make for peace. Romans 14.9. For love, 1 Corinthians 14.1. For righteousness, godliness, faith, perseverance, gentleness, 1 Timothy 6.11. And even for sanctification, Hebrews 12.14. You keep running. 
Not that I've already obtained it, Philippians 3.12. I'm not there yet. I have not become or have already become perfect. I haven't reached the finish line, Paul says, and nor have you. A righteous man may fall seven times in a day, a righteous woman, but you keep getting up. You don't give up. And this is where the athletic sports metaphor really drives the point home because I've seen a lot of amazing things happen. I saw a girl in a softball game, a championship game, hit a home run to win the game. And as she was celebrating, going around first base, twisted her knee and couldn't go around the bases the rest of the way. And the rules said if she can't touch each base, her home run doesn't count. And you know what happened? The other team, the girls on the other team, picked her up and carried her around the bases so she could touch each base and cost them the game, but showed her the love of God. This is our call. If people are wounded on the track, if people are hurting around us, we do the best we can. If we're hurting, we say, let's, let's pursue. Let's keep on pursuing the finish line. We haven't attained yet, but we know the Lord is on our side. And so I keep running. I press on, middle of 12. The idea is I pursue with all deliberate speed in order that I may lay hold of, take eagerly, possess is the original language, that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. F.F. Bruce, the great Greek scholar, says, it is almost equivalent to a purpose clause, this verse 12, and may be paraphrased, I still press on so as to lay hold of. Not only am I running, but I'm running after something with deliberate speed to grab hold of the prize. Way back in 2002, we had a family from our church over at our home. We're celebrating Shane's birthday. So this is 20 years ago. The kids were little. We had fellowshiped in the backyard, and everybody kind of moved to the front yard. And we live on, a, on, on kind of a hill, and I don't know what the exact angle is, but it goes down pretty steep, and then it kind of turns around the corner. And if you were on a bike or a skateboard and you wanted to get going, you'd pick up some speed pretty quickly. So the boys were young, and we had friends over, and we were leaning against a car parked in front of our house, just talking with the adults. And the kids were going up the sidewalk, and they would go past the neighbor's mailbox, and they were coming down on skateboards and bikes and stuff like that. And they were using their sneakers to kind of, you know, you could see them smoking right there, slowing themselves down, and then they would tumble into our front grass. And we have some junipers there, and sometimes they would hit the bushes, but they're little kids. You know, it didn't matter. <laughs> Something in their teeth. It didn't really matter. So anyway. But Nathan, who's back on the sound booth right now, was five years old, and he had just graduated to a bicycle with training wheels. And he wanted to keep up with the bigger kids. So he went up extra high and he was just getting used to the bike and he, he's very talented. He could get on a scooter and ride it, you know, almost immediately. He's still gifted that way today. A great natural athlete. But this time, for whatever reason, Nathan would tell you that he froze. He forgot how to use the brakes on the bicycle. And so as Nathan was coming down there, the kids were all coming down there. Yeah! screaming and falling. We heard a different type of scream. It was more like this. It was a scream of terror as Nathan forgot how to stop the bicycle. Well, my heart began to pound and I realized, you know, this little kid doesn't know how to stop this bike and this, he's going to keep picking up speed because of the way that our street is. 
and it's going to go on for a good half a mile or something like this. And he's going to crash, and this is going to be ugly, and he's got a little bike helmet on, but who knows. And so Pastor Michael sprung into action. How many of you can remember the six million dollar man? This will date us all, but all of a sudden, you'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Hello, I'm Rob Newton, producer of Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance. Thank you to all our Walk in Truth partners for your financial support. We are over halfway through this year. And you have raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast equipping people with God's truth. Now, we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is still strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcast and stream on their phone, but radio in a car or at home is still free for listeners. Most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program, and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We are looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we would like to become fully funded by listeners. This will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. It was a scream of terror as Nathan forgot how to stop the bicycle. Well, my heart began to pound, and I realized, you know, this little kid doesn't know how to stop this bike, and he's going to keep picking up speed because of the way that our street is. And it's going to go on for a good half a mile or something like this. And he's going to crash. And this is going to be ugly. And he's got a little bike helmet on, but who knows. And so Pastor Michael sprung into action. How many of you can remember the $6 million man? Uh, this will date us all. But all of a sudden, Pastor Michael began running. And the handlebars were shaking. He was, And so... I realized that he was picking up speed and he was getting away from me. And I had like a shot, like one shot. And the handlebars are shaking. And I reached out. He had this little tank top on. And I reached out. I got some of his skin as well. And I had run after him for a good ways. And I pulled him off the bike, almost like a yo-yo. And he was like, ding, 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 ding. And the bike crashed, I think, right next to the mailbox. And I had him in my arms. And I thought, oh, Thank you. I had like one shot because he was getting away from me. And I had him in my arms. And then I realized how many injuries I had. <laughs> you know, when the adrenaline is rushing and your eyes are fixed on a goal, it doesn't matter what happens to you, right? Oh, I had so many injuries. I had him in my arms. And I tried to walk back up the hill and I was kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was 20 years ago. 
Now, if it happened today, I would have just gone like this. Oh, well. <laughs> I know all things are possible with God, but I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> you say, Pastor Michael, why do you bring up that illustration? For this reason. I was going to preach that text the next Sunday. I'm not saying that God caused the... But he gave me an illustration, and I think it's actually right to the point. You run in such a way that everything else fades into the background, and your singular goal. My singular goal was to save that kid. I didn't care what happened to me. I just knew I needed to run that bike down and pull him off. And by God's grace, it happened. That's the way you need to live your Christian life. And Paul says, I remember on the road to Damascus when I was pursuing Christians in the same way that I'm supposed to pursue Christ. And I ran them down to foreign cities. I got letters from the chief priest and I said, I will stop those Christians. And I pursued them and I grabbed men and women alike and I threw them into prison. That was my passion in my B.C. days. Now, I pursue a different kind of prize. I've become all things to all men that by means of that I may win some. Amen? I have a different kind of race to run. Some of you, you know, you can think back to the moment when you got saved and a redirect happened in your life. Paul says, look, I haven't arrived, but I'm pressing on. I got a different mission to run. My goal is to win the prize. Acts 26, 11, if you're interested, here's what Paul said about pursuing. Same Greek word as Philippians 3, 12. He says, I punished them often in all the synagogues. Acts 26, 11. I tried to force them to blaspheme. He's talking about Christians. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them. Same Greek word as Philippians 3, 12. Even to foreign cities. When I be, first... Uh, was a Christian, and I had not become a full-time pastor. I was still in the business world, and I had gone on a business trip to Arizona. I was flying back to Southern California, and I was on a plane, and I, I would often pray, Lord, you know, if you've got someone for me to share the gospel with, please use me. I, I want to win people to Christ. And I was on a plane, but I have to admit, I was tired, and I wasn't feeling very spiritual. It was the end of a long day. I was flying back home, and I kind of, I had a window seat, and I just was like, Lord, I just want to sleep. Please let people sit next to me who are quiet. Something like that. <laughs> and a mother and a son, the son sat next to me. He looked like he was about 15 years old. And the, the mom was on this side. And I was against the window. And I thought, oh, I should probably be social. After all, I am a Christian. And uh, so I got up and I, I had an old laptop. I put it on my lap. And I started doing a little bit of work. And I had the kid's interest. And he looked over and he was like, oh, that's pretty cool. He goes... Here's the, here's the key question. Can you play games on that? And I was like, oh, yeah, you can play different kinds of games. And I said, what's your name? And we went back and forth a little bit. And uh, turned out the kid played drums. And I was the drummer on the worship team way back in the day. And uh, we had a connection. And as I found out more, I noticed that the mom was beaming, her smile. And she began to lift off the seat in the airplane just a little bit. She was so happy. Well, here's what happened. The kid was on his way to a Christian camp. He had been struggling with drugs and alcohol. 
And mom was using a last ditch effort in this Christian camp to try to turn his life around. And of all the places that they could have sat on a plane and all the moments that they could have taken a flight, the Lord sat them right next to a pastor who played drums like this young man, who had some cool technology that interested him and had come out of a life of partying and I knew what it was like to go that direction. And for about the next 45 minutes, I began to pour into this young man. And the mom raised higher and higher on that seat. And she was like... <laughs> and afterwards, she, she shared with me how she saw that as a miracle. I wasn't even feeling too spiritual, to be honest with you. <laughs> and the Lord used that as a moment. And I just want to tell you this. As you run your race, you just never know what the Lord has divinely set up. And you can just simply minister to someone. And I, I believe that that young man's life was changed that day because he knew that there was a God who cared about him. And I was flying high that day just because I saw the graciousness of my God in my life. Now, I could say a lot to you about Paul and what he pursued prior to Christ, but I think most of you know. And here's what he says in verse 13. He says, brethren... I don't regard or consider myself as having laid hold of it yet. Philippians 3.13. But one thing I do. If you have a King James, it says, this one thing I do. The Greek literally is one thing. And I love that because it keeps it simple. The one thing that Paul does in the race has two components. Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. You've been listening to Press On, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to say thank you to all our Walk in Truth partners for your financial support. We're over halfway through the year and you've raised over $30,000 to support our mission of being on the radio and podcast, equipping people with God's truth. Now we have more opportunities to broadcast Walk in Truth on more radio stations. That means we can serve more communities with Pastor Michael's unique way of teaching through the Bible. Radio is strongly used by people all over the world. Not everyone gets to use podcast and stream on their phone, but radio in car or at home is still free for listeners. In fact, most listeners who reach out to Walk in Truth are listening on the radio. Now our audience is growing, and so are the opportunities. We would love to expand the program and we need your help to do it. It costs thousands of dollars for airtime, and we could use more Walk in Truth partners. Are you blessed by Pastor Michael's teachings? Are you learning? Are you being challenged? We hope to reach more people like you. Would you please consider becoming a $20 monthly Walk in Truth partner? We're looking for at least 200 more listeners to help continue our mission to equip the body of Christ. Right now, our church and current Walk in Truth partners help pay the bills, but we'd love to become fully funded by listeners, and this will make it so what we have from the church can be used for expansion. Please sign up to become a Walk in Truth partner on walkintruth.com and then click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Again, become a $20 monthly partner by visiting walkintruth.com and click donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. When Paul talks about forgetting what lies behind, you might say, I have a tough time forgetting. 
In fact, memories pop up in my brain, past incidences, uh, hurts, wounds, uh, mistakes that I made. How can I know that God's forgiven me? How can I truly forget about the past and move on? Well, in this message, I shared that sometimes the past can be helpful. It can remind you what you've been saved from. And in Philippians 3, Paul does go into his past. He talks about his resume, but he does it in order to accentuate the grace of God, the righteousness of Christ. When Paul shared his testimony in the book of Acts, on a number of occasions, he said, this is what I used to be like. Uh, I was there. I, I said, Stephen should die. I dragged Christians into prison. In the book of Second uh, Timothy, First or Second Timothy, he he calls himself the chief of sinners. He says, "I was furiously enraged." In the book of Galatians, Paul's not afraid to talk about his past as it relates to the glory of God's grace. And maybe that's what you can do every time your past comes up. Celebrate the fact that God has forgiven you. Celebrate that you can forgive others and move forward in Christ. So your past may pop up. You don't have to dwell there. Maybe every time it pops up, just apply God's grace to it and you can press on and not be distracted. So that's the key as you run this race. God will give you the wind in your sails, if you will, to keep on running. See you right here tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16, called Press On. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.